I'm Dave Whitaker, and this is Vinyl Snob. You have a listening station so people can come here, see a record they're unfamiliar with, slap it on, or I'll play it over the speakers if they want to really hear it cranked up. And that's the joy of having a record store. It's the interaction with people. On this program, we travel out and visit the small, storefront, used record store. I've attended a lot of record swaps, but I've only done this one in, in Oakland. Uh, this is the second time. I just I did well the first time, and it was time to come back and see if I could unload more. And I try something new, a record swap. It's kind of like a flea market, but without the knickknacks. That's coming up later in the program. On a previous program, we visited the two big West Coast record retailers. On this shopping trip, we're going to hit the small, independent used record store. Generally operating out of small storefronts, they're found in cities and towns around the world. Executive producer Dana Berry has the story. Ah, uh, the used record store. To many, that conjures up an image of a dusty underground bunker where perched behind leaning towers of vinyl sits an old curmudgeon wiping down records with a soiled rag listening to squealing avant jazz. Now to me, that sounds like heaven. When I was a teenager growing up in a suburb outside of Boston, the trips into Harvard Square to peruse the stacks at Mystery Train, Second Coming and Looney Tunes, became rites of passage and chasing vinyl became more important than chasing girls. But I'll spare you the sad diary entries of this vinyl nerd. We recently visited three small Bay Area used record stores. First stop was Collins Music and Thrift in Sassoon City, a tiny town at the western tip of the Sacramento Delta more accustomed to breakfast and lunch patrons than obsessive vinyl collectors. Yet here on Main Street sits a large treasure chest of used records. We spoke with the manager of the store, Steve, and asked him to recall his introduction to vinyl. I was lucky enough in my teenage years to get a big crate of records from a yard sale. Somebody down the street was selling two big crates of records for five bucks. And wow. so I was that was the first time I was really able to get my hands on my own vinyl and play them and didn't matter what I did with them, scratched them and played them backwards and did whatever I could do them. That was my first real exposure to it. Dave's record store on San Pablo Avenue in Berkeley is owned by, you guessed it, Dave. Dave's is situated on a tree-lined block of a busy thoroughfare in South Berkeley, away from the vinyl epicenter where reside the feuding chains Amoeba and Rasputins. We asked Dave for a quick trip down Vinyl Lane. Well, when I was a little kid, we'd have those little colored uh, plastic records, the Disneyland things and whatnot. Then as a teenager, you know, I started listening to rock music, and I had an older sister, and she had a rec small record collection, but some really good stuff, Bob Marley, Earth, Wind & Fire, this kind of stuff. So I uh, got into that and uh, trashed her records pretty good before I started buying my own. Our last stop was Econo Jam Records on Telegraph Avenue in Oakland. Close to downtown, it's surrounded by an ethnically diverse array of shops and buzzes from the street activity just outside its open door. The owner, Tom, has a little more involved relationship with vinyl. And my parents had 
a few vinyl records and my friends would come over and be like how does how does this thing work this record player thing yeah i eventually got into the punk scene in that scene everybody's pressing vinyl and that's kind of the only format that matters in that scene for sure so who does shop at used record stores besides middle-aged guys like me looking for that replacements record they never should have sold I would say that the most significant thing I notice about the age range is is just that there's an extremely wide age range completely across the board. It makes for a, a more interesting day if you're dealing with different types of people. So what about the kids? Do they still find the meaning of life in sleeve lyrics? What does attract them to vinyl? It's weird. A lot of these kids, I mean, you start talking to them and you realize that they just dropped out of the blue because they just really don't know much at all about records or any you know a lot of them don't even have turntables they're buying records and they don't even have a turntable to play it on it's it's kind of crazy then you have the young kids who are just learning about it and think it's a novelty but it's getting past that now it's getting to the point where they can really appreciate there is a better sound involved at first it was a lot of kids saying oh i just love the popping and the noise and they thought that the noise was the reason that people liked records and it, then now they're starting to realize it's not it's the clarity and the feeling that you're in the same room with the music has the vinyl resurgence gotten out of hand have new pressings of vinyl caused used records to skyrocket in price? I think these new records that they're putting out are pretty expensive. People who didn't grow up buying records, when they go see these new records and the prices, they probably don't get the sticker shock when they see the used prices going up. I think the biggest example people are always using is, is uh, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. It used to be a dollar bin record. They made so many copies of it. It was everywhere. But with the resurgence, it's hard to find it for less than 10 or $15. So I've watched my record collection grow at an alarming rate, which you don't really notice until you have to move. But how does a record store accumulate its large stock? Um, luckily, just having a storefront, uh, people find me and uh, like this morning I had somebody who just found me on Google and said, do you accept donations? And her 94-year-old mother just passed and she uh. wants to just donate everything because she didn't want to throw it away. I get that a lot. Right. I get like, I didn't know people even cared about records anymore. There is a large part of society who just wrote them off and didn't, doesn't even realize now that there's a resurgence. There's something organically missing when listening to an Amazon song clip. You know, I have a listening station, so people can come here, see a record they're unfamiliar with, slap it on, or I'll play it over the speakers if they want to really hear it cranked up. And that, to me, that's the fun of it. It's experiencing new things, you know, and I don't want somebody to hand me a curated selection of stuff that, you know, is the hippest thing ever. You know, I want to explore and, and find music on my own and talk to people, you know. So, you know, I'm always happy to do that. And that's the joy of having a record store. It's the interaction with people. When I enter a record store, I feel immediately at home. But I've been going to these stores all of my life. What about normal people? People come in here and they start, I've had people start crying spinning around in circles looking at all these saying they haven't seen them since they were kids they remind them of their parents who've passed and i did not realize the emotional attachment people have not just to the music but to the image that came with that music it means a lot to people many thanks to dave tom and steve for sharing their vinyl experiences with us i had one last question for dave you know i like coming to work every day and it pays the bills so i'm happy yeah you hiring? 
<laughs> For Vinyl Snob, this is Dana Barry. You know, as a former Tower Records employee and having worked in many record stores over the years, I tend to shop in those places because they're familiar. So I decided it was time to try something new. On a recent Sunday morning, I got on BART and headed toward the East Bay. My destination, a short walk from the station, was not another record swap. A quarterly event held at the Lost and Found Beer Garden. Winding my way through record crates and happy collectors flipping through them, I met up with Tracy Parker, one of the owners of Vamp Records in downtown Oakland and an organizer of the record swap. Our primary goal of hosting this particular record swap is to invite people who are mainly collectors and might not be uh, regular sellers. We like to include people who might just have an overflow of records and want to clear out some, you know, get some space and find some new stuff. Record swaps like flea markets come in all shapes and missions. I think many other record swaps are mostly focused on people who either have online stores or um, it might be a circuit for them. So they're regular people who go to every swap. But this one in Oakland that we host is meant to be a little more accessible to anybody that wants to come in and, and sell. You know, even if you just have one box worth of records that you want to get rid of, don't be shy, come down and hang out with us. One of those trying his hand at selling instead of buying was Dave Paling. I've attended a lot of record swaps, but I've only done this one in, in Oakland. Uh, this is the second time. I just, I did well the first time and it was time to come back and see if I could unload more. And the major difference he sees at the swap? It's much more collector to collector, really. It seems like there's a lot of swapping. If you find something you're interested in and maybe it's a little more than you want to spend, you ask the person, hey, come look at what I've got and we'll see if we can work out a deal. People are pretty open to haggling. If it's a higher end record that you're talking about, or if it's someone who wants that one you know, $30 record you have, maybe you'll knock a couple bucks off. It also depends on the time of the day. You start knocking more money off as, as it gets later because you just want to take less records home. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of haggling going on. A regular at the swap is Jim Granado. I would say sell first, swap second, buy third. I'm not feeling so obsessed to go be digging and competing with other diggers at the moment. It's more about cleaning house and taking home a little money. And yeah, if I could trade with people, great. I always offer trades because it isn't. I'm not trying to make a profit. There's no profit. It's just moving stuff, having a little money in my pocket that I'd already spent it some time ago. I don't buy to flip. But Jim admits he's always on the lookout for a rare find. If I see something that I really think people I know would like and it's cheap, yeah, I'll pay five bucks for it and maybe ask seven or eight or ten bucks, depending on what it is. Sometimes I've found records at thrift stores and other places they didn't know what they were. I didn't say anything. I admit, I think everybody does that. I feel like, okay, I've done the work in a way. It's like if this person behind the counter doesn't know about it, then that's their loss, I suppose. But it's all about titles. I want to have good titles in there. I want to have a variety of stuff. I want people to come and, you know, I've got a lot of diggers who come up to me and they're like, oh, I need this again. They had it in the past. Strikes a conversation. We work out a deal and we both kind of go away, walk away happy from that situation. And as far as the store versus swap and old versus new? But yeah, those, those early records that are scratched, 
man, those grooves are deep, and a lot of them still do play well. And that's why people come to record swaps and they seek out old copies, hopefully for a little bit better price here than, say, your boutique record store that's really going to charge an arm and a leg. And I, I think that's a big advantage about coming here. And it's also, it's not just about getting a better price, but also meeting people, talking with people. It's a great vibe. There's music going around. Everybody's got, obviously got the same interests. Whether or not you like the same music, you're talking about records. You're talking about, that track is great. You're going to like this. You're going to like that. And here, it's done. I do it all the time. I made a lot of friends that way. We want it to be a community effort uh, and we really encourage people to be community oriented as much as possible when we do these things. Tracy Parker, one of the organizers of Not Another Record Swap. Our thanks to Tracy, Dave, and Jim for speaking with us and the appropriately named Lost and Found Beer Garden in downtown Oakland for playing host. Vinyl Snob is produced at the studios of Post Audio in Sacramento. Our executive producer is Dana Barry. Our theme music was composed by Cameron Robbins. I'm Dave Whitaker. Thanks for listening.